she lets me play Wii. She's always loving me. She hugs me and kisses me. She loves me. Because she cares about me. Good evening. How are you? Good. My name is Tammy Cole, and I am the director of Life Church Women, and I am also the spouse, the better half, the much better looking one to your senior pastor, Aaron Cole. Um, yay! On this weekend, as we celebrate, um, women, not just moms, but all women, because all women are important in my book. I love women. Women are unique. They're special. They are life-giving. They are energetic. And we are some of the best things that God ever made, I think. Um, we know how to accessorize and how to look cute and do our hair, and we have fun. And I am honored and privileged to have the opportunity to speak to you this Mother's Day weekend. Um, I want to get right into how much fun we had Friday night at Chicks and Chocolate. It was packed in here. It was tables of feathers and tables of yummies and goodies and just a lot of fun. We had 170 women packed in here and we laughed, we cried, and we ate a lot of chocolate and drank a lot of chocolate punch. Um, it was a great time. We laughed, and um, I hope you had fun. I had a great time. Um, this weekend, I had the honor, have the honor of speaking about love much. When I was told that's what I was going to speak about, I was like, love. Well, thank you for breaking it down for me. Thank you for narrowing it down to such an easy topic. Um, what am I going to speak about? Oh, my word. And I was a little kind of like just pushing it back into the back deep corners of my mind. And I was sitting in Bible study on a Tuesday night, and Heather Fields was leading and speaking, and God just gave it to me. And I was like, oh, my word, i got to write this down. So I'm just scribbling and going like crazy. And... You know how you grow up, maybe you didn't do this, but I grew up in Sunday school and in kids' church, and you hear these stories about people or things that happen in the Bible, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. And you kind of maybe take this person that you hear a story about, and you just kind of put it in a box and say, I might need that for another day or for a certain situation. That's what I had done with this woman that I'm going to speak about tonight. I just kind of put her in a box and thought, if I know someone that ever goes through this, or if I go through this, that's who you go to. And um, I just really didn't think a whole lot about her. And then when God says, this is who you're talking about, I'm like, whoa, I had better do some studying. So I read up on her, did a lot of homework and research, and she became a really good friend of mine. I know it's one-sided right now, but I hope one day to be able to really sit down and have a conversation with her. I don't know about you, but when I think about heaven and when I talk to, to God about it, you know, and things that I need when I get to heaven, you know, we're supposed to all get these mansions, these big old mansions. And, you know, I've already told the Lord, you know, I really don't need one of those. If you could just get me 
a lakeside cottage. I'd be just fine with that. You see it? You see it in my head? You see what I want? You see the size? You see the back porch, then the wraparound front porch with the big swing in the front? You know, so I can sit there and I can drink my sweet tea and just have a good time. And, it, you know, it's going to be perfectly 77 degrees and no humidity. It's going to be perfect. Not a cloud in the sky. Perfect. It's my little cul-de-sac. It's my little dream. It's mine. Let me have it. And then I tell him, you know, because I don't know if you do this, but I do this. I want no dust. I want no dirt. I want no fuzzballs, hairballs. I want no smudges on my refrigerator. No grease on my backsplash. I want my floors per perfectly shiny all the time. I would like to have, you know, where you get the toothpaste in the, in the sink and you have to, like, chisel it out to come out. I don't want any of that. I want my little lakeside cottage to look magazine photo shoot worthy all the time. Is that asking a lot? I don't think so. And the Lord's like, okay, whatever. But in my cul-de-sac... It started out with a little small cul-de-sac, and now it's become this huge crescent-shaped one that I want to have because there's all these women that I keep studying and I keep reading about that I want to know and I want to hear their stories. Rahab, I want to have Rahab close. I want to sit on the porch swing and I want to say, tell me what it was like. Tell me what it felt like to have the spies come into your house and you have to hide them knowing that your life was at stake. Tell me what it was like. What was it like to throw the cord out the window, that scarlet cord, hoping that your house in the wall of Jericho did not come crashing down on you? Tell me what it was like. And then I want to I have Bathsheba over. I think that poor girl is in need of some chicks and chocolate, majorly bad. That poor thing, oh, she needs some girlfriend time if anybody does. I want to have Deborah. I want Deborah to come over and I say, tell me what it was like to be a judge in the day when no man, no man was good enough to be a judge. Tell me what it was like. What issues did you have? What things did you have to overcome? What was that like to have to stand up and be a judge in that day? I want to have the woman at the well. I want to sit there and I want her to tell me what it was like to see Jesus face to face and for him to tell you that you were precious and that you are loved. I want to be able to sit there and I want to, I want to have the woman that the religious leaders brought in when Jesus was teaching Sunday school. And she was brought up to the front with, and said, this adulterer, what do we do with her? The word says we should stone her. What do you think, Jesus? And he says very little, but to her it's completely life-changing. And I want to be able to put my arm around her and go, okay, from your lips to my ears, what did he write in the dirt? I'm dying to know. It's been driving me crazy because I know it's good. Because whatever it was that he wrote down, they all walked back dropped their rocks, and you were changed. Tell me what he wrote. I think, this I could be completely wrong, but I think the woman that comes to Jesus' feet and breaks the perfume and cleans his feet and washes his feet with her tears and dries it off with her hair, I think they're, I think they're possibly the same woman. I want her to tell me, what was that like to wash his feet, to wash Jesus' feet? 
I want to meet these women. And now the new one that I'm adding to my cul-de-sac is Hannah. I want to get to know Hannah. I want to hear her story. Oh, she has become precious to me. Her story is found in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. And I'm not going to read it all, so don't worry. Don't start panicking. But I want you to go home, and I want you to read it, and I want you to study her, and I want you to become as passionate about her as I am. I think she is a wonderful woman. She has three great loves in her life. And the first one we're going to talk about is the love that she has for her husband. Hannah married a good, godly man, Elkanah. And now, as in any marriage, they had a couple of issues. The first one being that Hannah could not have any children. She was barren, which led to her second issue. Because of that, her husband married another woman, Peninnah. Now, you can imagine this love triangle going on. You have Elkanah, who loves his first wife deeply. It's his first love. Hannah, who loves her husband, but now has to put up with another woman who can have children. There's no tension going on in this home whatsoever. Can you feel it? Can you cut it with a knife? It is so intense in this home. Penine knows that she's never going to have the love of her husband like, Han- like Hannah does. So there's this jealousy. So Penine thinks if I have as all these children that Elkanah wants, that maybe I'll get his love. And it never works. So there becomes this cat fight going on between Hannah and Penine. Oh, the fun that Elkanah had when that was going on. He's probably thinking, what was I thinking? But there he is. He married these two women, and now he has this issue going on in his home. Now, I don't want to bash Elkanah. He was a good man. He was a godly man. He loved the Lord, and he attended the three annual feasts at the tabernacle every year. And he would take his family with him. And the priest at the tabernacle at the time was Eli. And his two sons, Hophanah and Phinehas, were being ministers in training, basically. And they were corrupt. They did not serve the tabernacle well. And Elkanah knew that. But yet he still brought his family to the temple, to the tabernacle, to worship. Hannah knew that she needed to be in a good God-thriving marriage. She knew she needed that to be a good godly mom. What does your marriage communicate to your children? Is it something that you want to see in their marriages? Are you working all the time? Are you nagging each other to death? Are there financial strains and stresses? Are you fighting? What are you displaying for your children in your marriage? Do you have a set of values that you want to see your kids reproduce in their own marriages? Aaron and I have some very distinct values that we have. Divorce is never an option. We, when we were dating, established that. Before we were even engaged, we knew that divorce was not an option. Our kids know that. They don't have to worry about that. We don't belittle each other, privately or publicly. Now, some of you I know are sitting there going, 
didn't she just have him up on the screen Friday night as the chocolate fairy? That is completely different. That was not belittling because he is my chocolate fairy. So there was no belittling there. But Aaron is, and he knew about that. He knew. I told him like two hours before, six and chocolate. Oh, by the way, I had Randall make this video of you. And he goes, Randall's fired. But I said, no, 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 no. And if you weren't there, then you don't know what I'm talking about. So you have to come to Chicks and Chocolate because we have a lot of fun. But Aaron is the leader of our home. No question. I trust him completely to fill that role. If I didn't trust him, I never would have said, I do. Do you trust your spouse? Do your kids know that? Does your family know that? We're a team. Don't get me wrong. We're a team. We are a unified team. But every team has to have a captain, has to have a leader, and Aaron is the leader. Your marriage is the single most important investment you will ever make outside of your relationship with Christ. How are you treating your marriage? Do you pray over your husband? Do you call his name out? Do you pray for protection, mental, physical? Do you pray for him to have pure thoughts, to be a good leader? Do you pray for him at his job? Do you pray for his relationships? Do you pray for his spiritual walk? Do you pray over your husband? Do you respect your husband? Does he know that you honor him? Does he know that? How is your marriage today? The next thing Hannah loved is she loved the Lord. She had a great relationship with the Lord. They were strong. It was deep. She needed him. She needed him desperately in her life. She didn't go to her husband nagging him about the problem of not having any children. She didn't complain to her friends. She didn't come to the Lord with a list of wants. I want this and I want that. And when are you going to show up? And I've been waiting. And come on and hurry up. Tick, 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 tick. My biological clock is ticking away. When are you going to give me? No. She came. Hannah came to the Lord with a sacrificial need. She needed a son so that she could in turn then give this son back to the Lord. See, there was this gaping hole at the tabernacle. Eli could not lead his sons to be the priest that the people needed. So Hannah knew she needed to have a son so that she could raise that son up to be able to fill in that gap. She knew the need. She saw the need. And she was willing. Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Eli sees her at the tabernacle, laying on the ground, crying out to the Lord, asking him, please. And he thinks she's drunk. Goes to show you the corruption that's going on in the tabernacle. If you come down here to the front and you're praying, we're not going to think you're drunk. But that's how bad it was at the tabernacle. He sees her and asks her, woman, get up. Drunk, get up. No. And she's like, no, no, Lord, I am not. I have a need, a desperate need. 
And he sees it in her. And he tells her, a year from now, your need will be met. So Hannah gets up, dusts herself off, dries her face, and goes about her business. Hannah found power, comfort, and peace when she prayed. Her need was met. Take your need, take your request, take your desire to him and to him alone. He is waiting to have a conversation with you. He wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to know the desires of your heart. Don't leave him wanting. Don't leave him waiting. Have a relationship with him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. He's waiting for you. The next thing Hannah loved was she loved her family. One year later, just as Eli said, she had a son and she named him Samuel. Samuel. Elkanah came to Hannah and said, it's time to go to the tabernacle for one of the feasts. Do you want to go? And she says, no, no. I need to stay with the son, with Samuel, and raise him up. And when he's at the age of weaning, then we will go and we will take him. I will take him and I'll dedicate him to the Lord and to his work. She knew, I only have a few years with Samuel before he's going to go and he's going to be in that tabernacle and he's going to be with Eli and he's going to be with Hophni and he's going to be with Phinehas and I have to make sure that this boy has a firm, solid foundation in the Lord, that his heart is set, that it is cemented into him. Now, Hannah could have very easily have said, Lord, you gave me this son. Thank you. Thank you so much. But you know, you know how bad it is at that tabernacle. You know what Hophni and Phinehas are doing. And it's not good and it's not right. And you wouldn't expect me to give my baby boy to that. No. She kept her promise. She kept her word to God. She trusted in the Lord. It goes back to how deep her love was, how deep her faith was, was able to keep her and to let her know that no matter what, that her time with Samuel was going to be precious and it was going to be sweet and that she was going to be able to make sure that he had exactly what he needed to be able to go and to do what God had planned for his life to be. Many scholars that I read said that she took Samuel as early as the age of three. So some said even to the age of eight. That's still so very young when you've waited so very long to have a son, to be able to give him to the Lord, give him back, knowing that you're only going to be able to see him three to four times a year. But when she and Elkanah bring Samuel, Eli, the priest, sees her unselfish attitude. And he prays. He prays to the Lord, bless them. Bless them with more children, Lord. And the Lord did. She had three more sons and two daughters. Can you imagine that your love for your family your love for the Lord and your love for your husband makes such an impact on your son, your firstborn, that in, in his autobiography, the first two chapters are dedicated to you 
Can you imagine that? She had him for such a short period, but the impact she made upon Samuel changed him, kept him strong, kept his faith. What legacy are you leaving your family? Are you a woman of prayer and praise? Is your heart tender towards the things of God? And does your family see that? Does your family know that? We have our, our children for such a short period. And we have so many things we want to teach them. Is your faith one of the things that you're making sure that your kids know is so important? I want to ask you to join me in becoming a woman of the Hannah generation. That these three things, to love your husband, to love the Lord, and to love your family, stamp it upon your heart. Let it be known that you're a woman that loves her husband, loves the Lord, and loves her family. I would like it if every woman from the age of 12 to 92 to stand with me tonight. Every woman, 12 to 92, just stand with me. What a mighty force we have standing. Oh, I look at it and I see you and I see power and potential and strength. Oh, what God could do with a group of women that completely yielded themselves to the Lord. I want to pray over you. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. Oh, I thank you so much for each woman that is here. I pray that you would bless them from the very top of their heads to the very soles of their feet, that you would give them grace, that you would give them power, that you would just wrap yourselves around them. Let them know that you are there. Just as you let Hannah know that you're guiding her steps, that you are with her. Oh, I pray for the, for the women that may not have a husband. They may be too young or they just haven't met the right one yet. Oh, let them know that you're guiding them, that you're there with them, that that special someone is there. Oh, I pray as they pray for that man. Oh, may they be encouraged. I pray for the women as they, as they love the Lord, as they give themselves to him. Oh, I pray touch them. Be with them. Lord, as the women in this group love their family, are devoted to them. Oh, give them peace. Give them strength. I thank you so much for the women here. Bless them in your precious, precious name I pray. Amen.